Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. I'm your host, James Vickers. You can reach us on the show on our Twitter account, which is at Championship Pod. And you can also follow me on my personal Twitter account, which is at underscore James Vickers. Hi, I'm Lewis Hobbs, and I represent Sheffield United on the podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at, at underscore LH9 underscore. Hi there, my name's Thomas Boff. I'm the editor of wallsblog.com and you can follow us on Twitter at wallsblog. Yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. Um, we'll jump straight into the weekend's results. Um, there was one game on the Friday night, which was Aston Villa beat Leeds United 1-0. Then if we move into the Saturday games, more or less a full fixture list, apart from the Wolves game, which I'll get to in a minute. Um, so Sheffield United and Millwall drew one all. Barnsley and Bolton at sort of a six-pointer down the bottom ended 2-all. Burton Albion, somewhat surprisingly, beat Derby County 3-1. Hull City lost 1-0 at home to Sheffield Wednesday. Middlesbrough won 2-1 at home to Bristol City. Norwich lost 2-0 at home to Cardiff City. Nottingham Forest beat Ipswich Town 2-1 in a game which, obviously, Mick McCarthy has now left Ipswich, which we'll get onto in a minute. QPR lost... uh, 2-1 2-1 at home to Preston. Reading and Sunderland was 2-all and Fulham and Brentford was 1-all. Uh, moving into Sunday, uh, and I'll come to you first on this, Thomas. Obviously, Wolves winning 2-0 in the uh, the Midlands derby. Um, wanted to get your thoughts. First and foremost, obviously, promotion already secured with Fulham drawing right at the, the death against Brentford. Um, how did you sort of see the season panning out? Did you expect to have the, the league wrapped up this early? And sort of what were your thoughts on sort of the performance on Sunday? Um, well, I mean, I, I don't think I expected us to do it with four games to go. Um, I think a few weeks back, we got turned over pretty badly at Villa Park and that there was a serious question mark over, you know, how the season was going to pan out from that point because we've been reeled in a bit. Cardiff were like looking like a relentless winning machine. Uh, Aston Villa were coming good and the same with Fulham. So you were thinking, oh, this could be, we could get a bit of a sweat on now <laughs> uh, having led this, you know, led the table all season. Uh, but but the response from that has been fantastic. You know, I think they've won six and drawn one of the seven games since that defeat at Villa Park. And um, and that's been the key all season. I mean, I said this in my blog after the Birmingham game. Every time Wolves have had a big defeat or they've even had a big victory, they've always followed it up the next game with a big win. Um, and that's been the difference between, between Wolves and a lot of the teams. When the other teams have had setbacks, it's tended to, you know, there's tended to be a bit of a hangover. Um, so yeah, so I, I was uh, I'm pleasantly surprised we managed to do it this early, given how the other teams were performing a few weeks ago. But over the course of the season, I do think we've been the best team, um, so very much deserved. And yeah, I mean, I was watching that uh, Fulham Brentford game, 
hoping that Brentford were going to do something. And after Fulham went ahead, it just never looked like Brentford were going to get back into it. They barely had any meaningful shot on goal in the last 20 minutes of the game. And then, in, you know, four minutes into injury time, they they manufacture the chance they've been trying to create for the whole second half. And just one, you know, had to double take to see if it had actually gone in. Um, but yeah, incredible, incredible moment that. Always better if you can do it yourself, of course. Um, and I would have backed us to beat Birmingham the following day, whatever had happened. But um, but no, thankful to uh, to Brentford for stopping the the Fulham juggernaut and uh, yeah, making making the derby much more enjoyable on the Sunday. Yeah, you sort of touched on the derby there. Obviously, Birmingham have been struggling down the foot of the table this season. Obviously, you said you were sort of you, you thought that you would win the game regardless uh, of the Fulham result sort of uh, later on on the Saturday evening. How sort of impressed were you in the manner that the players still came out and, you know, put on a show for the fans? Obviously, with promotion secured, it would have been sort of easy for them to take the sort of the foot off the gas, so to speak, with Birmingham fighting, you know, for relegation. Were you impressed with the manner in which they came out and still delivered uh, a performance which they've sort of been putting in week in, week out all season? Yeah, I mean, I think they're the type of team who play better when the, the, the shackles are off anyway. I mean, it, it just it allowed them to enjoy it a bit more. Um, Birmingham came to defend massively, played, you know, five at the back, like a flat back five and uh, two holding midfielders. So it was always going to be attack versus defence. Um, but I think the the fact that we got promotion the night before, and we're effectively playing for the title because we knew a win puts us on 95 and that's the maximum Cardiff could get to, you know, they could sort of enjoy themselves a bit. And once we got a goal up after about 20 minutes, it almost became too easy. And it was just, the worry was just the the complacency because you could see anyone watching that game as a huge deficit in quality. Um, and, you know, but then Birmingham did have their chances. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, yeah, I was, I wasn't surprised. I always felt that actually, Having you know got promotion secured, they'll probably make the game even easier than it was. So, um, so yeah, very impressed. Yeah, we'll come to you now, Lewis. Um, obviously, you played in the sort of the lunchtime game on the Saturday and drew one all with Millwall, who I know, sort of personally speaking, they've really taken me by surprise over the last sort of two or three months. The the run that they've been on, and you know, they've they've got into the playoffs, and they obviously, with the exception of of Derby County, more or less have their fate in their own hands at the moment with the teams that they have to play around them. Were you sort of impressed first and foremost sort of by Millwall when you played them? And secondly, how do you sort of see sort of the way the game panned out and how do you sort of expect Sheffield United to finish the season now? Yeah, so, uh, well, I, I was impressed by Millwall. Yeah, they've, they have been a real hidden gem this season because talking about the three promotions, promoted teams, us, Millwall and Bolton. We've had all the media attention this season. We've been on telly about 14 or 15 times. You've got all the newspapers talking about us as being the team coming up, um, just showing no fear to the new division and and progressing. And just out of nowhere, Millwall have, have gone on this run. No one's really expected it. I certainly haven't. And now they're points above us looking more likely to get um, playoffs than we are. But just focusing on the game, it, it was a typical Sheffield United uh, performance. We've been, I've watched plenty of games just like that this season. 
your likes of against Cardiff, Brentford, just a couple of weeks back, we've just put laid the attack onto teams, attack, 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 and the chances have came and players like Clark, Brooks, they haven't took the chances, and on the final whistle, um, the result hasn't come our way um, because of it. Like we really played well, and Millwall did bring it. I thought. With the way Neil Harris approached League One last year, they was quite defensive, hit on the counter-attack. Um, so I was expecting that when they came to the lane, but no, they, they attacked just as much as we did. They put pressure on. Um, we had better the better chances in the game, but they they took their they took their chance two minutes after we equalised. We we switched off for literally two minutes of the game and, and ended up losing the three points, but if we can, I've been saying this for the past for the past two weeks since the Brentford and Cardiff game, which we we drew both of those one one. If we carry on performing like like in those games, the three points have surely got to start coming our way. And I, I hate to say it, but we we continue impressing, but the results still aren't coming our way. So it's really hard to it's really hard to say who's going to get playoffs. That was the must win game for us. Um, just like Barnsley, the loss the week before that was a, that was a must win. And if we'd have won those two games, then we'd be happily in fifth. But that's just Championship football, and we, it's still in our hands. We can still get playoffs, just like Preston, just like Bristol, everyone else around us. But it has to be nine points for the next three. Yeah, you sort of hit the nail on the head there. I think, you know, obviously Preston and Sheffield United level on points. We're just one goal ahead on goal difference. And I think we said it a couple of weeks ago on the podcast that if it stayed as it was, that game where we play you in sort of just under two weeks time now is going to be, you know, absolutely massive. Both of us need, I'd say, a maximum from from our last three games for nine points. And, you know, obviously... Both of us can't get that. So it's going to be a fascinating game. And I think that really will... Obviously, there's some fantastic sort of ties left or fixtures left. I think that game for us now, um, if we can both win our games this weekend, is really going to sort of decide who makes that last push on the final day to hopefully get in the playoffs. Um, To touch on Preston's game sort of quickly, obviously, we were down at QPR. It's been sort of a difficult season for us going down to the capital. We've not really sort of got the results we would have liked. And when QPR scored after 13 minutes to go 1-0 up, there was a real sense of, you know, here we go again. So the last few away games have been quite disappointing, really. I think the Reading one um, the week before really sticks out in sort of the manner in which we we got beat. You know, we, we didn't really turn up. We had quite a lot of the ball, but didn't really do anything of it. And, that's really, with the exception of the Leeds result in midweek, been sort of quite typical of us over the last few weeks. A lot of the ball, but not really creating any chances. So to get the goal just before half time and going at half time one all, you know, fantastic. And then in the second half, we dominated possession. We created plenty of chances. And it looked like the Preston of sort of about a month and a half ago where we were sort of putting this run together to get into the playoffs. So hopefully our form has turned at the right time. Um, Alan Brown again coming up with the winner. And, you know, I don't think many Preston fans at the start of the season would have expected him to have the season that he has. 
you know, fantastic for him to to really stamp his place in in the first team now. And he's just turned 23 last week. And, you know, hopefully now we can kick on and become, you know, one of our sort of most crucial players. And I think at the moment, he definitely is one of the first names on the team sheet. Um, but to sort of touch on the, the rest of the results uh, around the division, I'll come back to you on this, Thomas. Was there any games in particular sort of away from the Preston, Sheffield and, and Wolves games uh, that stood out for you sort of in sort of a surprising win or a team that you expected to win and, you know, won quite comfortably. Are there any games that you wanted to sort of touch on? Um, I think, well, I was obviously watching the, how the Norwich-Cardiff game was unfolding, to see if that was going to uh, be a benefit to Wolves. And it looked like that game was slipping away from Cardiff and having lost to, to Wolves and Aston Villa in their last two and then I think Bamba went off injured pretty early for Cardiff. I was sort of rubbing my hands together thinking, this is looking bad for them now. Um, and I was in the commentary, they were having, Norwich were peppering them, having chances, having a lot of the ball. So I was thinking, I was just waiting for that Norwich goal to go in to pretty much rubber stamp our promotion even before Fulham had played. Um, so, but for them to turn the tide and get that win. Um, you know, when, when everything seemed to be conspiring against them. And just coupled with Fulham's result later, obviously, just shifting the momentum back towards themselves now. And you're looking at Fulham's next fixture. They've now got to go to Millwall, which is a horrible fixture. Cardiff have got a game in hand. You're just thinking, actually, I think that's a massive result for Cardiff. And I think that now that is, that's tilted things nicely back into their favour. So... I would actually expect before that game, I thought Fulham were going to get second. Now I'd actually say I think Cardiff are probably going to go and do it. So I'd probably pick them as the as the one that I paid most attention to. Yeah, I think with Cardiff, I've been sort of switching backwards and forwards over the last few weeks about who's going to go up second place, you know, Fulham or Cardiff. And I think that result for Cardiff, as you mentioned, is absolutely massive with the game that Fulham got next weekend and obviously Cardiff having that game in hand against Derby County, who I'll get onto in a second. I think that, I don't want to say more or less secures it for them, but, you know, it'd have to take sort of a, a real drastic turn in fortune over the last sort of couple of games for them to to slip out of it now. Um, and obviously, as we'll get on to a bit later on, Neil Warnock, you know, has done a fantastic job. And how many times have we said on this podcast that we expect them to slip up at some point and, you know, they just keep, sort of putting wins on the board and keep getting the points and as well as Fulham have played you know Cardiff have obviously not played as attractive football but they've got their own way of winning and own way of getting points on the board and they haven't really bar obviously last week let Fulham get sort of within touching distance of them really so you know massive result for them um the result that I wanted to touch on was obviously the uh derby match as I mentioned you know to go away to Burton where most teams have been able to come away with sort of maximum points, if not a point this season to go there, you know, on the back of beating Preston and then a disappointing result last time out to go there and sort of get beat in the manner in which they did. And I know speaking to, to Andy who comes on, who's the Derby fan, he's, you know, absolutely gutted with the way that, you know, for yet another season, it looks as if they're going to sort of, spend the majority of the season in and around the playoffs and fade off towards the end. And, you know, they've become almost that team with the reputation now of, of getting close, but not quite being good enough. And I don't know what that's down to, but, you know, it's a recurring theme. And 
I don't, I can't really see them, you know, recovering from this defeat, you know, to, to put a run together now to get back in the playoffs with the fixtures that they've got. Um, obviously, massive win for Burton, which keeps them in the the hunt to, to hopefully avoid relegation for them. You know, looking at the table, five points adrift with nine to play for. Can't see them sort of escaping, but, you know, it keeps them alive for another sort of week at least. And, you know, it's, it's keeping that relegation battle interesting. There's only one of probably sort of five or six teams that, you know, you could still say they're in trouble. So, obviously, great result for them. Um to go over to you, Lewis, is there any sort of games in particular that stood out for you with sort of good wins or, or games that surprised you? Yeah, just looking at the opposite end of the table, um, I think the Barnsley-Bolton result, the 2-2, not, not exactly the the best result for either team, but I just want to mention like the way that Barnsley were able to grind out and get a draw from the game because really... Both teams would have gone into the fixture, both wanting a win. And obviously, Barnsley got the early early 1-0 and then in the 80th minute just sent to fall apart. Can see two goals in two minutes. And most teams, if that's going to happen to you, it certainly happens at Bramall Lane. When, you, when you're winning a game for such a long period of time and you can see two late goals... You kind of lose the motivation and the drive to then push on for the last five minutes. But Barnsley managed to do that and they managed to get a 93rd winner with McBurney, who has been a revelation for them since. And they've still got a game in hand over Bolton. So making sure they don't lose is crucial for Barnsley. And so if they can go on and win their game in hand, that'll keep them up. It's just so tight down at the bottom, like you've just said, and where just like it is the playoff race, they're kind of identical where there's just so little points between it. It's just crazy and you can't really predict who's going to go down. Yeah, I think uh, it's obviously great drama going into the last few games of the season and, you know, we, we've sort of had to talk each week about who's going to go up, who's going to go down, who's going to get in the playoffs and sort of the great thing about the league this season is week in week out you know opinions change and there's not really with the exception of Wolves and probably Sunderland and Burton at the foot of the table anyone you know could sort of obviously it's getting to the end now of the season where teams are around the mid table are either safe or can't go up but you know it's great to have you know six or seven teams at both end of the table you know in the mix and it, it makes for you know a fantastic sort of end to the season um, but to just go back to Wolves, um, and I'll come to you first on this, Tom. Obviously, you're sort of best to ask for this. I just wanted to get your thoughts. Obviously, Wolves sealed promotion now and more or less have guaranteed the title. How do you sort of assess what they need in the summer? And do you think without any investment that the squad would be able to compete in the Premier League? And then secondly, sort of watching the championship over sort of the last five, ten years, do you think this is the best sort of well-rounded team that the championship has seen over sort of recent memory? Uh, well, to answer your first question, I think the team they've got this season, if you could guarantee the fitness of the first, you know, 12, 13 players over 38 games, then I think that team would definitely be very competitive in the Premier League. Don't think it's that arrogant to think that. Um, I know it's very difficult for teams to make that transition up to the Premier League, but... I just feel the quality we've got in important areas of the pitch 
the spine of the side is very strong. Uh, but I do expect there to be really serious investment. I mean, I had the opportunity to go and speak uh, last week with a real senior figure in the in the club, and he said the Wolves have ambitions to compete. You know, with, with you know the real top brass in the Premier League. Um, we've got the second richest owners in English football behind Man City. Um, and I think what you've seen the players come in and this link with Mendes, that there is ambition there. Um, so I mean, I am expecting big things. So hopefully, but obviously it's a minimum requirement. Yes, staying up, but I do think we'll do that. Um, in terms of being the best championship team of all time, I had a, had a few people ask me this. And so I looked into it a bit to make sure I'm well informed. Um, I think two teams would probably dispute it. Um, one would be, obviously be Reading. 106 points um, in the, the season they got up. I think Coppel was the manager, I think. Um, you know, we can't get to that. We can get to 104 if we win, we win our last four games. I think they can obviously always say we got the most points. Uh, Wolves can actually get more wins than them if they uh, win the remaining games. Um, and the other team I'd probably throw into the mix is the Leicester team, who also got over 100 points a few years ago. Um, just because when you look at what they went on to do with the nucleus of that team, they still had Jamie Vardy, Kasper Schmeichel, uh, Wes Morgan. You know, they went on to win a Premier League title. So it's very hard to look possibly beyond them. Um, but in t- terms of how a team have played in the championship and the consistency of performance and the quality of the football, I'd say Wolves are, are right up there. And, and with my biased hat on, I might give us the edge, but... It's difficult to argue against those two other sides. Yeah, completely agree with you. I think the the Reading team, obviously, for the points that they amassed and the manner in which they did it, I think is sort of any team or a team that you can definitely throw into the mix. And you made a great point there about the Leicester team that you know they kept the nucleus of that team together and went on and you know won the Premiership with that team. So obviously, at the time probably people wouldn't have said that they were one of sort of the best championship teams ever but sort of looking back now with hindsight I think that's a great point that you've made there that you know to do that and then you know a couple of years later to actually win the Premier League is you know a fantastic achievement um I just wanted to ask you as well um obviously before I go over to Lewis are you surprised in sort of the manner or sort of how quickly the team gelled this season obviously a lot of new players coming in who hadn't necessarily played uh, a long sort of championship season before obviously played in good leagues around the world um obviously the championship is probably one of the hardest league in the world just purely for the fact the amount of games that you have to play throughout the course of the season were you sort of impressed with how well sort of the new players that have come in have have gelled and sort of settled into life in championship football yeah very impressed but i think think the one important thing that happened is they got the manager in early in the summer they got nuno in they farted around a bit getting rid of lambert even though it was obvious they didn't want him but then they moved fairly quickly and got Nuno in. Um, he had a way of playing. He came in straight away and said, it's going to be three at the back. You know, we're going to play with wing backs. We're going to be playing out from the back. He brought in three players from Porto who played together. You've got to remember, Bolly, Neves and Jota uh, all played together at Porto last season. So they had that advantage. And then you already had the Portuguese contingent at Wolves, Costa and Cavalero. And I think they might have played with some of the other players in the age groups um, in Portugal, national team. Um, so there was that that nucleus of um, understanding there. And you had the English-based players 
who know the championship very well. You know, John Ruddies, Bennett, Cody, Doherty. Um, so, yeah, but the, the credit really just goes to the manager. Because, and I keep saying that. Uh, now, whatever you want to say about Mendes and the money that we've had, without Nuno and without him pulling it all together, I really don't think we'd have been anywhere near as successful as we've been. So, so yeah, definitely all credit to the manager. Yeah, to move on to you, Lewis, how impressed have you been? Obviously, yourself and, and me watching Preston and Sheffield, two teams that have recently come up, you know, sort of adapting to life in the championship. How well do you sort of see that Wolves team have progressed over the season and do you think that they are the sort of the best team in championship history? Yeah, um, from an unbiased point of view, I agree with everything Tom said. It's obviously throughout the course of the season, it's not really been, um, oh wow, Wolves are this amazing team. It's the media's been dressing it as this big money big team like the man city of the um, of the championship if you will but the th- the game that did it for me was the cardiff game and, and not for the performance on the pitch like he mentioned with nuno the passion nuno showed after that game for me just shows it just shows how strong of a manager and just how much he wants to get this team it's not just a manager a foreign manager who's had success in other leagues coming over to England for because he's getting a big wage slip. Like a lot of the big players, you've got players like Ruben Nevers, the youngest ever captain in Champions League. A lot of people wondering why he's coming over. He's getting these players, these players want to come over and they want to play for Nuno. And you can see that with how those players play on the pitch. Um, just going forward, I can't, off the top of my head, you mentioned your Reading, you mentioned your Leicester, obviously. Newcastle have been down in the championship twice and dominated, but off the top of my head, I can't think of a championship team that on the counter-attack is as strong as that this Wolves team has been this year. The quality they possess going forward is just out of this world. But then you can also put, it's not just this fancy foreign flair they've got up front. They've also got a good mix of really experienced championship players. You look at Ryan Bennett, John Ruddy, Connor Corder, I don't know if Danny Back gets into the team every week, but just players like that who are experienced at this level and, and they're getting game and they're putting in good performances, as you've with John Ruddy and Connor Cody both in the team of the season. It's a good mixture. And personally, from I, because I, obviously, the year with the Reading, I was too focused on us Blades going up that year as well. So I don't think I really noticed on how good that Reading team was. But from from the top of my head, I think this Wolves team is the best um, team that we've ever seen in the championship. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Yeah, you touched on it quite well there. Obviously, you know, quite a lot of their players obviously got into the championship team in a season, and rightly so, which sort of leads me on sort of quite nicely to the championship team in a season. Obviously, there was Connor Cody, Ruben Neves uh, got into the team along with John Ruddy. Um, come to you first um, on this one, Thomas. One player that I've been sort of really impressed with, who hasn't necessarily gotten the headlines that you know you likes of Ruben Neves has this season for you, and I think he was desperately unlucky to miss out on championship team of the season. But when you see who went in instead of him, you know it's hard to argue why. And I think Barry Douglas, every time I've seen him this season, has been you know absolutely fantastic. Um, he's been one of your I wouldn't say underrated players this season because that's wrong of me to say. Obviously, he's in a, a team that are going to sort of more than likely win the division, but he's kind of gone under the radar a little bit. Were you sort of expecting more than than the uh, the three players to get into the, the team in the season? And would there be sort of any of your players, you know, apart from these three, who you think that are deserving of a spot? Yeah, well, I've got a, uh, yeah, I've got some major objections to the team of the year. So uh, let me run you through them first. So first thing I'd say is obviously loan signings weren't allowed. So Jota and Bolly were ineligible for this. Um, if they'd been eligible, they definitely should have been in the team because they're two of the best players to ever play in the championship. So I'm not having any arguments on that one. But obviously, if they're ineligible, they're ineligible, so they can't be in the team. Um, the John Ruddy in goal, I'm quite surprised about that. I don't think he's had an unbelievable season. Uh, I think he's made some good saves, but he's also made a few ricks. Um, he's been generally solid, but I'm surprised there hasn't been a goalkeeper in the league who's outperformed him, which maybe says that there's not that many great goalkeepers in the league at the moment. I don't know whether that's fair and what your experiences are, but that would be my take on that. Um, John Terry, no way should he be in the team. I would have had Bamba from Cardiff instead of him. Uh, Cody was the other centre-half from Wolves. He definitely should have been in the team. They've got Sessegnon at full-back for some reason. I don't know why he's there. So I would have, you know, going back to your point, James, I would have had Barry Douglas left-back, who's got the most assists of anyone in the Championship playing at wing-back. So he should be there. Um, Frederick's at right-back. I would probably make an argument for Matt Doherty at Wolves again. But, um, but uh, you know, I don't have an, uh, an objection to Frederick's so or Looked very good whenever he played against Wolves. Midfield, Madison, yeah, definitely from Norwich for me. Neves, obviously, yeah, centre midfield. Kearney at Fulham, no objection to that. 
Um, Vidra up front, championship top scorer. I think you've got to pick him. Um, Adoma, where they've got Adoma, that's where I'd be putting Sessignon instead of fullback. So I think Adoma comes out and Sessignon goes in there. And then where they've got Bobby Reed, I would put uh, Hoylett from Cardiff in there. The fact there's no Cardiff players in there is a joke. Um, so, yeah, they basically made a massive rick of the whole thing. So I'll just end my rant by saying that. Yeah, well, you've completely uh, sort of took exactly sort of point for point what I was going to say there. I think Sol Bamba <laughs> definitely should have been in instead of John Terry. When I sort of saw the team and I was sort of having a quick glance through it, I thought there was a typo or something like that for for John Terry being in there. You know, he, he missed a portion of the season out injured. Um, Villa don't have the best sort of defensive record. And every time I've seen Sol Bamba either in person against Preston, um, even though we managed to, to beat them twice this season, you know, he was absolutely phenomenal. For the player that I've seen sort of in the past, I don't know what it is that Neil Warnock's done to him this year, but, you know, he, he looks a completely transformed player. So definitely I would have had him at, at centre-back alongside Connor Cody. Um, as I mentioned, you know, Barry Douglas, I think, as you said, Sessignon has played sort of further forward. So I think I would have put Barry Douglas in and shifted Sessignon up front uh, or certainly left forward instead of Adoma. I think the midfield, no complaints with whatsoever. Um, you know, Kenny, Neves and Madison, I, I think if you had that midfield three in the championship, you'd more or less easily walk the league. Um, yeah, I agree with you sort of for the most part there. I think Bobby Reid um, probably does deserve a place, if not a very honourable mention, and it'd be sort of hard that, there's probably four players sort of as you touched on that could probably go into those three positions i think you know if if you were putting in sol bamba maybe then bobby reed gets in but i think hoylett's been absolutely fantastic as well this season and you know he's another player who's always been a bit hit and miss but under neil warnock has been absolutely fantastic this season um is there any sort of changes or points that you agree with there lewis you've both just practically hit the nail on the head I think John Terry, it's an absolute shambles, really. They've they've just put him in because it's John Terry. It's just for the name, isn't it? I don't, I don't even think he's been Aston Villa's best centre-half this year. I think if a Villa defender's going in there, it's got to be James Chester. Um, but moving away from that, the only really one that you haven't touched on for me, I think, is Callum Patterson at Cardiff. And I know he's played centre-mid for the majority of the season, but surely if Sessignon gets in at left-back, they can make an exception and put him at right-back where he did play for about 15 games at the start of the season. I think he's been a pivotal part of Cardiff's um, system. He's got a few goals. I think he's on about eight league goals. and He's just an engine in that midfield. And and I think um, any Blades uh, that listens to podcasts would be a bit upset if I didn't mention Leon Clark. Um, he, he, he has got 18 goals at the end of the day. and. Um, I think, obviously, you like your Barry Douglas deserves to be in there, so you'd put Sessignon on the left wing. But if Sessignon stays, I'd argue that Leon Clark should be in there over Adoma. Um, both players, which goal scoring has been in stints. Like Leon Clark, he has got 18 goals this year, but nine of them did only come in November. Seven coming in two games alone. Um, but overall, throughout the season. Leon Clark, he's been our pivotal point and he might, he should have a lot more goals really, but he's worked his socks off and he's definitely been um, 
our talisman this year anyway. But yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And that's another name, I think, forwards this year in the division. You know, you can make a case for, as I said, four, maybe five listening to that. Um, so I think it was quite difficult to sort of narrow that down. I think, yeah, John Terry, I think, is the one that we've all agreed on should be, you know, nowhere near the team. And he's he's purely got in for the fact that, you know, his name is John Terry. Um, but to sort of touch on the manager, obviously, Neil Warnock, not everybody's cup of tea. I know we touched on it the other week about his uh, sort of antics post-match against the against Wolves with Nuno. Um Obviously, I'd imagine um, sort of same as I am, that we'd all be quite biased in the sense that maybe not manager of the season, but all our managers this season have done fantastically well, uh, sort of the position they've taken our clubs into. So to steer away from our three managers, is there anyone sort of besides Neil Warnock that you would have thrown in contention for manager of the season? Uh, we'll go to you first on this, Lewis. Yeah, so, well, obviously, I... Well, I should say was a big advocate of Neil Warnock <laughs> after his antics against us. I think a lot of players have figured a change on him. But if I'm steering away from Chris Wilder, which obviously bias myself would give, it's got to be Neil Harris, hasn't it? He's approached approached this season in a very very similar manner as Chris Wilder has. I think it's the second worst budget in the league. Hardly, hardly changed the team at all. Really, the only players um, he's brought in is the boys from Wolves, because I know a lot of Wolves uh, Wolves fans have been calling Millwall the Wolves B this year, with the likes of Ben Marshall and George Savile running the show. Um, but yeah, I think the way he's gone around his business, and like you say, he's been really under the radar, in a way which Neil Warnock kind of went with his business, because obviously... Neil Warnock's been second for the majority of the season, but every post-match interview, he's like, no, no, we're, we're not the leaders. We're still chasing. Um, and, and Neil Harris has definitely gone under the radar. He's gone about his business in the right way, not pissed anyone off. May not have played the most attractive football, but he's got results and he's grinded it out and they look to be getting the playoffs in the first year back. Yeah, and same question to you, Thomas. Obviously, Nuno, I think, and Neil Warnock are the, are the two that jump out straight away. Is there anyone else that you think deserves an honourable mention for being in the mix for manager of the season? Um, I think the only name that hasn't been mentioned who would probably be in contention is Jokanovic at, uh, at Fulham. Uh, and the point I would make on on that is I think it's harder to play and it's braver to play the way Fulham have played and the way Wolves have played than it is to play the way Cardiff have played. That's not to say there's a right and wrong way of doing anything. There's not to say that it's not a wonderful achievement for Neil Warnock. I don't disagree with him getting it for what he's achieved at Cardiff, particularly where he, the point he inherited them from to where they are now. But, you know, the way Fulham play in the Championship, as particularly after they had a slow start, It'd be very easy to start playing the percentages and playing it a bit safer, really. But, you know, Jukanovic has stuck to his guns. He got Watford at playing this way. He's moulded that Fulham team over two years. And he's finally, he, he seems to have got the consistency now, albeit possibly a bit too late to get across the automatics. So, yeah, I think um, outside of the, the obvious ones and the ones who have mentioned Jokanovic, and I think that's Nuno mentioned, that's who he voted for. 
uh, which probably told you that they, you know, what he thinks about, you know, who should have won it. Yeah, I completely agree. And Yukanovic was going to be the one that I would have gone for. I think, you know, as you mentioned, it would have been easy for him at the start of the season when things weren't going their way to, you know, chop and change it and try and find a different way of playing. But, you know, he stuck to his guns and, you know, the results came. And I think that's sort of testament to how he is as a manager and, and the way that the players have bought into his philosophy. You know, they, they didn't change it. And sometimes you just need that little bit of luck. And, you know, they've had that throughout the season. I think the, the Preston game where they beat us in the last minute with Mitrovic scoring um, sort of highlighted just how they sort of stick to the way they're playing. You know, it was a game they needed to win. It was one all. They didn't go long. They carried on playing the way that they were playing and, you know, got the winner right at the death. So sort of chatting to Russ as well on the podcast, you know, I've, been a massive fan of the way they've played this season and at times I've probably talked about Fulham more than I should have on the podcast and it at times has become sort of the Ryan Sessegnon and Fulham show but I think you know they've done fantastically well this season and I think in probably nine out of ten other seasons you know they probably would have gone up automatic this season which you know just says how good Cardiff and Wolves have been and you know it's not to say Fulham can't catch Cardiff still but as we said earlier I think it's going to be quite a difficult task for them to sort of to, to catch them um just wanted to touch on quickly before we sort of preview next weekend's games obviously Mick McCarthy left Ipswich last week um he'd already announced that he was going to leave at the end of the season and then after quite a toxic sort of 90 minutes down at Portman Road in the press conference afterwards he said you know that's me done I'm 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 off um I just wanted to get quickly your guys thoughts on where Ipswich should go from here is there, is there sort of a big rebuilding job that needs doing Ipswich or is it just a case of getting the right manager in? Um, go to you first on this, Lewis. Yeah, I think Ipswich have gone about their business. I, I don't know what's, if anything's going on behind closed doors at Ipswich, but they've definitely mistreated a, a really loyal manager to, to them. And he's been there for, what, four or five years now and kept him in the division. And has challenged for, um, for for the playoffs in previous years on a on what we can is a very small budget. He's never really had the backing from the board, and it's it's a shame because it's it's definitely I've got a couple Ipswich fans as mates, and and they just seem to be like left with a real sour taste from Mick, um, and and that's I think that's what the board's created. Like he's he's done a really good job there, especially at a club. It's a club with not a lot of money and the board isn't willing to put a lot of money into the first team. And and he's done a job. He's kept them. They, they, they haven't looked like going down at all this year. And at a stage in this season, they were challenging for the playoffs. And I think it's still they still could um, get into the playoffs by a miracle, probably. But it would it could could still be possible. Who 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 there are the points, obviously, the um the big question. It's whether they want to be ambitious or not. Obviously, they, they'd be like a safe option, someone like Tim Sherwood. I don't think he's got a club at the minute. Or like, you're like to Craig Shakespeare, maybe, if he's willing to drop into the championship. But I think the best option is to go for a, a, younger, a younger manager who's eager, wants to take the club somewhere. You've seen, you've seen like with Millwall, Sheffield United, bringing in a young, not maybe not inexperienced, but hasn't hasn't managed at championship level and, and and they've took us to great heights. You look at maybe Danny Cowley at Lincoln, 
Paul Hurst at Shrewsbury, if they don't go up, they're two young managers who the championship are going to be looking at. And they've definitely got they've definitely got the talent there to, to be championship managers. So they definitely need to start about investment if they do want to take that next step and go and challenge for premiership football. But if they're content at the stature of the club now, then I don't know. I don't know how they're going to approach it. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I think the way he was not necessarily forced out, but I think the the treatment he got, you know, he did a, a fantastic job there on quite a small budget. So sort of to leave in the way he did, you know, as you mentioned, it'll probably leave sort of quite a sour taste sort of all around. And I don't think that w- should be the way that he's been remembered there. You know, he's, he's challenged for the playoffs. He, he's kept them in the division and, you know, established them as, you know, a, a solid championship team. And I think with the right investment, you know, he could have taken them forward. He's, you know, one of the most experienced managers in the or in the league at the time. And, you know, I would have had every faith in him, you know, given the backing to sort of progress the team. But I completely agree with you there that, you know, a young Congre manager, um, sort of to name another one, uh, sort of in the lower leagues, Gareth Ainsworth at Wickham, young manager who is playing sort of attacking football. Um, you know, if they went for someone like that, it might be a bit of a risk if they haven't necessarily man- managed in the championship before. But I think sort of around the club at the moment, they're looking for sort of like a pick-me-up and, you know, a bit of a breath of fresh air to come in with new ideas. So it's going to be quite an interesting summer for them to to see sort of which direction they do take. Um, the same question to you, Thomas. Is there sort of anyone that you would have in mind that would sort of suit the, the Ipswich job and where do you expect them to go from here? Um, well, I, I would make the point about uh, McCarthy kind of echo what you said about mistreatment because I think the fans at Ipswich have directed their ire in the wrong direction. They should have been going higher to the board because they just simply haven't given they haven't given the bloke enough. I think if you look at the table, Ipswich are 12, 56 points. To me, that's exactly where they should be, um, if that really. So I think against expectation, I don't think they should have been setting their sights any higher because realistically with what he's had to deal with there, you know, you, you shouldn't be expecting any better. Um, but then equally, you know, we had McCarthy as manager at Wolves. And I know that when it gets bad, it can be really bad because he will resort to really turgid percentage football. So, you know, I can I can kind of understand their frustrations, but I do think ultimately they've, they've focused it in the wrong place. In terms of who they bring in, um, I've absolutely no idea. You know, it's one of those jobs where you... No one immediately comes to mind, do they? Um, I think you've probably got the right idea in maybe recruiting from the lower leagues. It's probably a good one, um, unless the unless the chairman's got it in his mind that he's going to dig deep and put his hand in his pocket and give, uh, you know, present it to a higher caliber of manager, someone who's more proven, and give it to them as a project. But I, I just don't see him doing that because. If he was going to give someone money, he should have given it to Mick because I think he's a sure fire bet, basically. If you give him the resources, he'd have got you up towards the top six. So I, I just wonder what's going on at that club. I think they're asking someone to pull the rabbit out of the hat. So I, I would fear for anyone who's actually going in there because I think they've got, a, you know, they might play more attractive football, but, you know, that can come at the expense of results. So I'd, I would actually, at this point, I would probably tip Ipswich to be quite near the bottom next season. 
Yeah, sort of to, to move on now to sort of preview our games for next weekend. Obviously, we're getting to the, the real sort of crunch end of the championship now. Obviously, we'll go to you first, Thomas. Promotion secured. You've got an away game at Bolton needing probably, you know, a win now is, is going to secure you the, the league title. How do you sort of see the game going? And are you confident you can go there and, and get the win against the Bolton team that are sort of scrapping around the foot of the table? Yeah, it'd be interesting. Um, I think I we only need a point to win the title, FYI. Um, I think you back us to obviously get that. Bolton will be desperate, desperate for the the result. I don't know how they'll approach the game. Um, you know, they're they're at home, so I don't know if they can sit back as they would probably like to against Wolves. But with the shackles off and you know, I, I just I just think this Wolves team is probably going to go there and get the win. Um, 50-50 for Bolton, whether they stay up or not, it's going to depend on what Barnsley can do. Um, yeah, and it's a bit of a grudge match, really, because they they had one over us in the playoffs in 1994. They got a dubious victory against us with some decisions that went their way. They call themselves the original Wanderers, so there's not a lot of <laughs> there's not so there's not a lot of love lost between the two clubs. So I don't think they'll be crying any tears if we put a nail in their coffin, which I think we probably will. So, um, yeah, I'd back us for the win. Yeah, and to move on to you, um, Lewis, you've got a, a game away at Birmingham City who, again, you know, fighting near the foot of the table. How do you see the game going? And are you confident that you can get another win on the board to hopefully keep yourself in playoff contention? Yeah, it's the same scenario as what the past 10 games have been. It's must win. Whether we do, um, earlier in the season, we only managed a 1-1 draw um, at Birmingham. I think it was the one game where Birmingham have come off this, a horrendous like seven-game losing streak and then just somehow turn up and look like a good footballing team against us. hope that's not the case again. If we, Like I've said, every podcast really, if, if we play how we can play attackingly, there's not many teams in this division that can beat us. Going forward this year, we've been immense at times. And if we can continue to do that, if we can... It was... I said I said against when we played Barnsley, we needed that game. We needed to go to Barnsley and just thrash them, give them a good 2-3-0 to give the players confidence going into the next games. We didn't do that, but somehow went on to the Middlesbrough and snatched a win but this is this is make or break because personally if, if we don't get three points I think that's playoffs done for us and you, you'll probably say the same if, if you don't get three points at the weekend but if we play the way we can and with how with how it's with how it's looking Paul Coops potentially could be back for the Preston game He's back on the grass. He's back fit. It's just whether Wilder wants to take the risk on him. But as 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 I said earlier in the season, how how influential he was. If we can get him back and back to his best for the last two games of the season, that's going to be fantastic. But it's the the three points against Birmingham first that we drastically need. But if I were to give a I'd give a prediction, I think we'll win two one. Yeah, you mentioned there, Paul Coots. Obviously, it'd be. 
sort of quite typical of Preston that an ex-player had sort of come back from injury and score against us in sort of a crunch game. So hopefully he falls just short of the Preston game uh, in sort of just under two weeks and he's back for the final game for you. But um, to touch on Preston's game, we're at home to Norwich. We obviously, same as, as Sheffield United, desperately need a win here to keep the, the playoff hopes alive. Um, and set up that absolutely massive game, which it could be away at Sheffield United in just under two weeks' time. I think the manner in which sort of Norwich's season has gone and then couple that with the result last weekend, losing 2-0 right at the death to, to Cardiff, hopefully they've got one eye sort of on their holidays now. Um, you know, we, we did fantastically well down at their place earlier in the season and it'll be only the second time that Alex Neal's managed against his former club. So he'll be desperate to put one over on them. The way we played in the second half at QPR, if we play like that, I'd be confident that we will get the three points. If we play anything like we did in the the sort of the free game losing streak a couple of weeks ago, you know, I'm quite fearful of of sort of how the game will go. Hopefully now, though, we've turned the corner and got, you know, a bit of form back so we can go out second to last home game and put on a good display for the fans and keep that playoff sort of hopes alive. Um, if I was to be pushed for a score, I think, you know, we've conceded quite a few goals recently. So I think both teams would probably score, you know, with the likes, even though they're having a sort of relatively poor season, you know, Norwich with players like Madison, you know, can still hurt you. I'd expect both teams to score and hopefully we can come out on the, the right side of it. So if I was to go for a bet, I'd say probably 2-1 Preston. Um, and then that would set up the, the following week's game against Sheffield United to be probably much of the sort of the fixture list uh, for that weekend. Um, but with that, we're out of time. If you two want to let everyone know where they can find you and any projects you're involved in, now would be a good time. Yeah, so um, I'm Lewis Hobbs and I've represented Sheffield United on the podcast and you can follow me on Twitter at, at underscore LH9 underscore. Yeah, Thomas Bath from Wolves Blog. Yeah, follow us on Twitter at Wolves Blog on Facebook.com forward slash Wolves Blog. Yeah, and as I mentioned at the start, you can follow me on my personal Twitter, which is at underscore James Vickers. Uh, I tweet mainly about Preston North End and quite a lot of German football as well. So if you are interested in either of those, give me a follow. Uh, and you can reach us more importantly on the show, which is at Championship Pod. And our pin tweet at the moment, if you do enjoy the show, is how you can vote for us in the Football Blogging Awards. So we'll be sharing that uh, once the show goes live. So definitely vote for us and uh, share and retweet that as well so we can get as many votes as possible. Um, but yeah, cheers for joining me today, guys. Always a pleasure to have you on as, as usual. And we'll see you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM 
for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.